Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 121 Rembrandt the Young Artist. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Dr. Holly Ordway's table in the Levitating Platter. and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests, the best unofficial Dungeons & Dragons podcast, in my humbly biased opinion. I've got an amazing guest for you this week, but before I get to my guest, you know I gotta do my ad read from my first sponsor. So you know my good buddy Tony Vicinda is the brains behind the operations there at Plus One EXP, and he has a brand new subscription service that he would like you to know about and to give a try. It's called RPG Zine Club. It's a monthly membership subscription service uh, that's featuring fresh zines from emerging and expanding creators across the globe. It's our way of inviting GMs, players, and zine lovers everywhere to invest more intentionally in the creative community. So what it has to offer are monthly releases where they put out two 20 to 44 page saddle stitch zines and there's three different kinds of membership whether you are interested in story zines adventure zines or both you can pick your format of print and digital together or just digital of your favorite titles and there is an exclusive area on the discord server of plus one exp called the clubhouse where you can talk about titles your subscriptions guarantee you the best price for each title during the month it's released as well private subscription portal where you can manage your subscription add products or change your information you can change the frequency in which you'd like to receive these games whether you want to be monthly or any other variation of time you only get what you want so if this month's release isn't your jam pause for a month and pick it back up and if you miss a month, why, you can add recent titles to your month's order as well. Annual surprise, get a special surprise each February after your first anniversary. That's pretty cool. You know, access to interviews, how to play videos, and special content for Zine Club. Of course, there is the RPG Zine Club passports that come with this program. And if you uh, redeem your passport at a convention where Tony's at, you can redeem it for a slice of pizza. Of course, you know, this whole endeavor is seeking to partner and work with new as well as your favorites uh, within the indie scene. It's DIE focused as well, you know, trying to champion diversity, inclusion and equity in, in projects and getting to work with creators with diverse experiences that help to make the community better. 
Again, there's just so much information I could sit here and read to you. Uh, but if you want to learn more, the best place that you're going to go to find out that information is at rpgzine.club. Again, rpgzine.club. And that's part of, as well, if you go to the website, plus1exp.com, when you're on that website and you need an affiliate code to put in the box to get a discount on your beard balms, lip balms, or beard RPGs or whatnot, make sure you type in the code Randolph at checkout. Again, on the website, plus1exp.com, and make sure you check out the brand new RPG Zine Club, rpgzine.club. All right, and without further ado, I know you've been waiting for the reveal of this mystery contestant, so without further ado, hello, would you care to introduce yourself, tell us who it is that you are, and what is it that you do? Right, well, my name is Holly Ordway. I'm the uh, Cardinal Francis George Professor of Faith and Culture at the Word on Fire Institute, um, but what is possibly of more interest to your audience is that I am a Tolkien scholar, and I've now written two books about J.R.R. Tolkien, one about his modern reading, and one that just came out about his faith called Tolkien's Faith, a Spiritual Biography. And there's kind of a D&D connection there, because arguably Tolkien is sort of the father, uh, or, or godfather, or grandfather, or supporting influence in the background of Dungeons uh, of yeah, I, I would definitely argue the grandfather of Dungeons and Dragons, and then probably the credit for the hobby would go to, you know, the co-creators, uh, Dave Arneson and Gary Gygax, for sure. Yeah. And uh, also, personal point of uh, claim to fame, as you were mentioning the titles of those wonderful, awesome books you wrote, um, I was pretty proud of myself when the first one came out, Tolkien's Modern Reading, and I was able to get Dungeons and Dragons, you know, Community Illuminary and uh, uh, Indie cool guy on YouTube, uh, Mr. Matt Colville of MCDM Productions to get a copy of that first book of yours. Um, so that was really cool to be like, you know, he saw it and was like, this is rad. And so I'm going to buy a copy of it. And he did. And so that was that was super cool. So don't know if, of course, MCDM Productions is just like, you know, they're, they just launched their, their crowdfunding for their own independent RPG system, that game that they're developing and all these other, you know, materials and stuff. So they're busy. Um, so I know I've, you know, like maybe he'll get to hear about the Tolkien's biography, a spiritual biography, and then maybe he'll have an opportunity to pick that one up when he's not in the midst of uh, running a company and uh, game design and crunch and all that other sort of stuff. Well, the nice thing about books is that they, they just keep, you know, they don't have an expire date. Also very good point for sure. So I know. When this episode comes out, uh, everyone will have initially first heard you on our special parlay at the platter episode uh, that we recorded way back when, right before Halloween started, uh, and we were having an awesome discussion. So if you haven't listened to that, that should have dropped on Christmas Eve, and hopefully everyone's been enjoying it, their holidays with their family and such. Uh, and yeah, so definitely if you want more skinny on just the, the caliber of knowledge that Dr. Ordway has on the subjects of Dungeons and Dragons and Tolkien and Catholicism and all that, I would recommend you listen to that. So it's a pretty easy then, because if you listen to that parlay special episode, then you know the answer to this question. But do you currently or have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons before? Well, um, I have played Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I'm pretty old school in that I, I first encountered D&D when I was in the single digits of my age. <laughs> so <laughs> more, more than 30 years ago, actually probably about 40 odd years ago. And I, uh, you know, mostly did dungeon mastering and inventing dungeons because I was just, you know, this, you know, 
eight or nine, 10 year old kid drawing all these maps and things. So I had the original monster manual with like the really kind of wacky cover. <laughs> it was great. And then a very long, he, I played a little bit in tiny little bit, like in grade school, high school. And then this big, big, big gap until you, Kurt, got me back into it in a, in a supporting role um, for your campaign. I played an NPC behind the, behind the scenes, and that was really cool, I must say. And that is definitely a Colville idea that I stole, because in one of his many YouTube videos, he's like, you have so many friends and I can't play D&D with all of them. Take the ones that you want to feel very human. Just hand them off to the people that you want to play D&D with and say, hey, here, I want you to control this major faction NPC leader. You you kind of study and get into that character. And then when I need your input, you just tell me something interesting that I wouldn't think of. And then you're like, oh, that's brilliant. I'm going to put this problem in front of the players and now they have to contend with it. Yeah, I thought it was extremely clever because I was saying you know, very regretfully, you know, right now you know, for the foreseeable future, I don't have the time or opportunity to join a campaign. But what a cool thing to turn that into a, oh, you actually can be, you know, and here's this neat way to do it. And I had, I had fun, you know, exactly getting into the head of that character and, you know, being able to make a few kind of pivotal moves maybe, or, or things that influence the, 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 the game. And then kind of coming back and hearing what happened. It was the, the low stress way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, the very chill way to play D&D. So this is your permission to do that for sure with all of your friends. Yeah. So of course, you know, this, this pet project of mine, this podcast, we like to get into the deep questions here. And so we like to figure out who is one of your favorite NPCs or sidekick characters, whether they be from movie, film, television, literature, which I know you have a proclivity for, et cetera. And uh, why is this character your favorite sidekick or NPC? Oh, see, this is tough because I, I, you know, of course I want to go immediately to Lord of the Rings because that's my favorite book ever. So I'm just going to go there. And I, I would have to say Sam, Sam Gamgee. Mm. How can you not choose him? Because he's really the sidekick who is really the hero, yet he never tries to be the hero. He's just the hero because he doesn't even try to be the hero. He's perfect. He's just fantastic. Yeah, no, he is an MVP on this podcast. So who knows? Maybe we need to just do, I don't know, that'd be a cool thing to do. Like just like a deep dive episode on Samwise Gamgee as a character. Like what makes him tick? That's a good idea, future Kurt. Maybe a Patreon thing to develop. Who knows? Uh, and we'll we'll invite Dr. Holly Ordway back and she can nerd out about it uh, with us. So that'd be very cool. Yeah, so of course, t- top tier answer uh, for sure. And then of course, the other uh, question we like to ask because of the namesake of the show, what has been one of your favorite side quests? Whether it's been tabletop, RPG, video game, movie, film, television, B-plot element, whatever. Uh, and why has the side quest or B-plot element been one of your favorites? Well, I think here I'll completely shift modes over into television. And I am a, a longtime fan of Star Trek Next Generation, um, which I watched actually when it first aired. Um, this was very exciting. <laughs> I watched Next Generation. I watched original series on on reruns. That was Star Trek, and then here's this new series, and it took me about a year to maybe two years to really like it, and then then there was just it was perfect. I loved it. <laughs> so I would probably say, and I've been rewatching episodes um, the last 
you know, few months and, and realizing they're, you know, they really hold up. It's, it's, it's a really a, a good show watching them on DVD because streaming to me is not the thing. I like to own actually the DVs. Like, like no one can take them away from me. Nobody in a database can press a button and suddenly no more next generation for me. Anyway, DVDs in and I am realizing how much I love the character of Worf, the Klingon on the bridge. Um, and mm. I'm not sure how much he really resonated with me the first time through, but in watching the episodes in quicker succession, you know, a couple of weeks as opposed to and not having to wait three months over the summer for the cliffhanger to resolve. Mm-hmm. Realizing he starts out as almost like this sort of token alien on the bridge. Let's put the guy with the funny forehead and the growl and then like, sure. But then he, he becomes this character with like a really interesting story because he's conflicted. He's Klingon, yet raised by humans. He identifies with the Klingon culture, but he only knows about it in books. And then we have that whole arc where he, you know, tries to recover his father's honor and, you know, goes to the Klingon homeworld. And that ends up unfolding into this major arc regarding, you know, civil war in the Klingon empire. And all of that just unfolded from, hey, kind of let's, let's give the token Klingon a cool episode, you know? Mm. And it's not, you know, the main mission of the Enterprise, you know, to explore changing worlds. It's very much a side quest. But it ends up drawing in, like Picard ends up going to Klingon and, you know, standing up for Worf. And it becomes one of the sort of strongest narrative arcs in the series, I think. And I know I I have to lay myself bare. Not the biggest Star Trek fan, um, but the times that I have started trying to watch Next Generation, I did think it was cool as well. So I'll definitely have something to look forward to when I manage to finally watch it all. (laughs) And then uh, the last question that we have here in the personal interview section is, what are you passionate about and why? Well, in the sort of larger sense, very passionate about writing. Um, I write, I teach writing. And then subset of that, connected to that, I'm very passionate about Tolkien. Um, You know, I am a Tolkien scholar, not just sort of accidentally, but because he's been such an important figure in my life. I've been reading him, you know, ever since I was a girl and written about him and been thinking about him and finding him so important. He helped me, I think, to become Christian, helped me to become a Catholic. So there's a personal connection there as well. And all throughout this, his his works are so rich and interesting. They never, you know, they never run out of depth. And his life is so interesting, which, you know, having now just written a biography of him, I thought I already loved him as much as was possible, because a huge Tolkien fan. And then I wrote this biography, and I love him even more, because he, in many ways, was kind of an ordinary guy. <laughs> Brilliant, but he didn't just sort of hatch out of the egg you know, writing the Lord of the Rings. I mean, he had a really rough life. He had a lot of ups and downs in his life. Um, he had a lot to, to struggle with. He sometimes failed. He wasn't perfect. He lost his temper, you know, things like that. And all of that made me feel like I could relate to him much more. Like he wasn't just perfect from the start. He was a real mm-hmm. human being. Um, and I just find that encouraging, you know, as a, as a writer, as a human being, um, to see that somebody that I admire is still totally admirable and also human at the same time. Yeah. So I think I'm, you know, I'm very, very passionate about, you know, writing about Tolkien and, you know, just talking about him. It's great, great fun. 
Yeah. And I know we have that shared connection because of the, the Catholicity. And oftentimes, sometimes you'll hear people say like, oh, you know, Saint J.R.R. Tolkien and stuff like that, where they're like, they're really, you know, uh, you know, asking for his prayers of intercession and stuff like that and trying to beseech and, and see, you know, uh, you know, if he would ever be like a named saint. But even if he's not like what you're talking about in describing lowercase s saintly behavior, you know, so we have these paragons of like creativity and, uh, you know, moral upstanding citizenry and, you know, being contributory to culture and all this other stuff. And it's just like, I'm just a dude with a mortgage and I'm trying to keep my family fed and I'm trying to make sure that we're not late to mass and that, uh, you know, we're, I'm grading the papers and it's just like, meanwhile, but then, you know, smoking his big pipe and typing on a typewriter writing by hand, which I think I've heard stories. He just wrote everything by hand. And then if he got stuck, he's like, well, I guess I have to start over again. And then he just writes it all over again. You're just like, that is insane. Why you would do that. <laughs> but yeah, just an ordinary dude, quirky, uh, you know, weird, also his uh, own sense of fun and mm-hmm. uh, and maybe dark humor or something like that we might say nowadays, but actually I would say I would say actually light humor because he had he liked to poke fun at himself. That was the mm. fun. Thing. You know, he he would, he could be very silly, mm-hmm. but he would he would direct it at more at himself to kind of make himself look silly. And that's one of the things I think that's makes him just admirable that you know, he, he certainly had his failings. Like I said, he could lose his temper and he could be a little oversensitive, but he was always trying to build up his friends. He was always wanting to encourage them mm-hmm. and, and always trying to, you know, do his best work as we should do. But, but with that sense of, you know, sort of self-deprecation and, and, you know, taking himself down a peg occasionally. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds like a good model to strive after. So I think so. So now that we've uh, concluded the personal interview section, I think it's time to head into some NPC creation. All righty. So NPC creation is brought to you by you podcast audience and our generous supporters from Patreon. So now is the time in the show where we give a shout out to them. So I'd like to raise a toast, give a loud hurrah to our queen of the Patreon, Goblin Katie, a.k.a. Katie Downey, as well as our great contributors, wealthy level patrons, uh, Anson Jablinski, Nicholas Cartarelli, and mom and dad, Krenwogi. Thank you so much for your support. You know, what's what's not to say about these fine people? You know, they they believed in the podcast and they helped us get to our 10,000 total downloads and whatnot and all these other such cool ideas and all these other things. I could go on and on about my Patreon supporters, but... I think the best place that you're going to learn more about it is if you go to my show notes below, if you go to the podcast website, or just go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests, you can learn more about our tiers, our accommodations that you have awaiting for you in this demiplane and worlds beyond. Okay, so now is the part where we're going to get to make up a character. We get to make up our own Samwise Gamgee, or maybe a Smeagol, or whoever else we decide to make today. And I believe before we started hitting record, you said that you had a like a framework worked out. But then for anything that you didn't have, we were going to go to some random tables and fill in the blanks that way. I've got the dice on my side of the screen, and then you'll just trust me with what I roll. Exactly. I'm I'm going to do the winging it approach to NPC creation. 
maybe like a writing exercise, if you will, of just like, here, here's some prompts. Now noodle your brain and let's figure out what we get. Exactly. See, this is tapping into the writing part of my, my psyche. This is excellent. All right. Well, uh, we begin NPC creation with the question of, what is the name of our character today? Oh, names. Now, see, this is this is a terrible starting point because I'm I'm just rubbish at names. So I'm, well, I'm going to... Do you to, want to roll for a name? Well, no, I want to let the name sort of be on the back burner for the moment because... Oh, okay. Okay. Right. We can come back to that question later. So after we've kind of discovered the character, we can see if something sparks, I see. Exactly. Because, I mean, you have to realize I'm steeped in Tolkien. So names, <laughs> well, we, we, must, we must give it some time. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so now the next question we would go to is what is going to be the ancestry, the race, the species, the background of our character today? Right. This is my one idea. I want to be a dragon. Okay. So we're making an actual dragon character. Okay. Am I allowed to do that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's on the random table. So you could definitely do that. Um, do you have a do you have a preference of a, if you remember from the early days and how it's gone to fifth edition now, there's obviously a big, you know, chromatics are typically representatory of, you know, evil aligned characters. And if they're metallic, it means they're good aligned. And if they're like gem, then there's somewhere like in between the middle. And then, yeah, and then there's like solar stuff with spell gem. So do you have an idea of like what kind of dragon you're looking to be? I want to be a slightly conflicted dragon. Okay. So, okay. So we're not necessarily adhering to a strict um, alignment chart, you know, prescription of what we say for the dragon. Um, But do you have like a, I guess like a, a a sheen to the scales that you're looking for, whether it's a solid color or metal or gems or metallic um, because my dragon definitely has that sort of, sort of greed, you know, that, that very dragonish element. So that would put it more towards the, the, you, you call it the, the, the metallic side of things. So I okay. picture, I picture sort of a, a goldish kind of dragon. Ooh. Okay. A goldish. Yeah. And, and what's written in the books, at least from what I know of fifth edition, they're like, Oh, gold dragons are supposed to be like the lawful good sort of dragon. So to have a morally conflicted lawful good dragon might be very interesting today. Ah, so gold-ish, like maybe gold-ish, gold-ish but maybe there's some other chromatic shades in there that are making Ooh. this kind of, you know, complicated. Okay, excellent. Well, I'm excited to learn more as we continue onward. So is there a job or role in society uh, that this dragon has? Well, no, or well, the the dragon's role is to hoard treasure um, and, and see that's, and this dragon doesn't at present really have any treasure and this is part of the, the sort of existential conflict that this this character has okay. treasure, needing a treasure it's dragonish to have treasure where do you get it do you steal it ah this is all very difficult if you want the treasure but you you don't want to just totally loot and burn right because you've got the gold mm. element yeah no this is you know this is cool so we're going like strictly like fairy tale like legend of like classic dragon so not like you know, what modern D&D imagines is like, oh, you know, these high level dragons just polymorph and then they they masquerade as humanoid characters and they integrate themselves in society so they can learn, they can interact with other groups. Um, but that's interesting. I mean, maybe that's an element you want to borrow uh, for this particular dragon. That's where the job or role in society could come in as sort of like a, a cover or a disguise. 
this is interesting. This is where I'm just totally relying on your encyclopedic knowledge of the current D and D because I, <laughs> I am like way old school. Like wow, second edition. That's new. Um, so I didn't know about the polymorphing thing. But no, my dragon stays as a dragon. Not stays as a dragon. Isn't huge though. This I think this is I'm seeing. This is kind of like a sub elephant sized dragon. So it's like youngish. Oh, a young dragon. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, out of the wormling stage of like newly hatched and is like a proper young dragon trying to set up shop. Exactly. He's trying to make his way in the world. You know? Okay. All right. And then let's see. So the the age of the character, young dragon. So that's easy enough. That that puts us at um a couple of, in fifth edition terms, you'd say challenge rating level high. So maybe like a, I don't know. I don't have them memorized off the top of my head, but that's that's anywhere from like fifth to eighth le- eighth level or something like that. Okay. Now we come to the physical description. So now when we're looking at this gold-ish, but has color undertones, young dragon that is like a classical dragon, like out in the wilderness, removed from society. Like, what are we picturing when we feast our eyes on this dragon? Well, definitely scaly. So definitely long tail, you know, scales, long narrow head, sort of big, big bright eyes, very, very expressive eyes, um, and uh, and claws, kind of ferocious claws, wings. Also, he has wings. He's a he's a you know four legs and wings. So this sort of classic dragon sort of build, um, and and he can speak as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how standard that is. <laughs> yeah, no, pretty standard. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, and sort of gold, but with a sort of iridescent kind of like if in the right light, he might look bluish or greenish or you, know, you kind of depends on how the light is. Hmm. Okay. Very cool. And then let's see. So we got, we got, okay. So we got all those details. So then. I always like to help narrow NPCs with three adjectives. So if you had to pick three adjectives to kind of like hone in on this character, like I'm looking at a sheet, how am I going to role play this character? Okay. What three adjectives are going to help me do that? Right. So for this character, artistic, fastidious, and hmm, what will be my third adjective? Thoughtful. So very, very plotting and scheming kind of a, you know, trying to figure things out sort of a character. Yeah, a think before you leap, possibly overthink before you leap kind of dragon. The analysis paralysis dragon. Exactly, yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, and now uh, going back, this is the part normally where I'm like, and now we get to go back to rolling dice if people are randomly generating ideas. So we like our characters to have something cool on them. So what is a valuable item, piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept that this character ascribes to. Sometimes when people are just like spitballing, they may throw in a couple, but if you want a random dice roll, uh, we can do that too. Well, actually, I this kind of came with the idea for it, which is that the reason this dragon is kind of conflicted is that he wants to kind of be more artistic than the average dragon horde. He thinks it's a bit vulgar to just pile up lots of coins. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like really really do that's just so gauche um so he wants to collect art mm. but the problem is that how do you how, how do you get it and you know without sort of 
you know, stealing it. And then as a dragon, how does he store fine art like paintings? This he, he is he has had some rather regrettable incidents with with ripping canvas with his claws. So mm. slightly traumatized by the idea that this art that he wants to have in his in his cave. Mm-hmm. How how do you store paintings in a cave? It's much more suitable for gold. You know, caves are damp often. This is very difficult for a young dragon who wants to be artistic and is fastidious about maintaining his hoard in tip-top condition. I was going to say, you're familiar with the movie uh, Monument Men that came out a couple years ago? No, I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Okay. I mean, it's based off World War II story where, you know, the Nazis were stealing art and all these valuables. And I think somewhere in Germany, it was like, oh, and an old salt mine is where they hid all this stuff. So in my head, I was thinking like, oh, if you don't want to worry about dampness and stuff like that, just this dragon just needs to relocate to a salt mine and then he can hang all his paintings up and not have to worry about moisture uh, ruining the paintings or or he just needs to learn the level of magic to protect them from wearing and age and stuff. Well, maybe that's part of his, his quest is find the perfect real estate in a salt mine. Mm, there we go. Okay. Oh, but then conflict because the like, obviously the dwarves or the humans or the elves or whoever's in the area, like obviously we need this salt because we're like in a very uh, landlocked area and salt is valuable for uh, food preservation and, and flavoring and stuff like that. We can't, it's too expensive to get it from the ocean. So we got this great salt mine here and you know, this dragon wants to move in, so now there's a problem. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, okay, so then you think then that uh, that's going to be the side quest then that this dragon is going to offer up to a bunch of adventurers that stumble upon him. He's in this quandary of like, I want this art and I need to relocate to this place, but all these people are using this and they're ste- they're taking all the salt out of it, and like that's not good. Yeah, or or at least he wants to figure out some way of achieving this. Like maybe it's to get the salt mine, or maybe they've got some better idea. Maybe there's some magic that he could he could learn. He's young, mm-hmm. so he doesn't he doesn't really know what his options are. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe he could start like, oh, if I could just have a, a salt sort of cupboard, he <laughs> <You know? laughs> can start with that, and then and then the full horde. Maybe maybe he needs to learn to you know downsize his ambition at first. Right, or just get a bunch of rice and just stick piles of rice around and then it's like yeah that absorbs all the water right exactly it works on all the magic devices i've seen that people have they just stick it their swords wet they just stick it in a pile of rice and then they pull it out and it's dry brand new oh okay well (laughs) it's a little bit of dad joke humor i suppose okay so we okay so we've got this side quest in mind of like how how to acquire this art and then where to go to actually preserve it and then start building up this hoard so when the player characters somehow present a successful solution and the earnest start on this path, how is the dragon going to reward the party for their part that they played? Um, well, he is a dragon, so he could provide sort of dragonish assistance in a tight spot. Um, I mean, he, he can produce flames if he kind of like pumps himself up a little bit and, uh, and he is sort of ferocious. I mean, I mean, ferocious looking anyway. He's actually not the most ferociously motivated dragon. He he doesn't. He's a little maybe a little squeamish. He does. He, he likes to you know have a have a nice pre killed ox for his supper and not like you know chase screaming people because he also you know he he's got that gold baseline to his his colors. He's he's got a sense of like yeah I, I sort of want to achieve my ends without you know 
slaughter and, and whatnot. But he still has that innate dragonish ferocity, which he would be willing to ally for, you know, to, to provide a little bit of um, at least the show of ferociousness to to the party who might need a little bit of sort of dragonish muscle or dragonish mm. He could do the drama really well. I mean, he could, being artistically minded, he could be very dramatic. And I think he would probably enjoy making a big sort of theatrical to-do of, look at me, I am the ferocious creature. You know, <laughs> so get a bit of uh, the, what was it, in Dr- Dragonheart with Dennis Quaid and then Sean Connery's voicing the dragon. And it's like, oh, the dragon's attacking. And then it's really, they're teamed up the whole time of like, we got this great racket going. You know, I, you know, I get money for saving, saving, quote unquote, saving the town. And then I use that to buy you art. And then see, now you're getting it like the money the right way, or you're getting the art the right way. You're not having to like, you know, rob people. You know, we just do a bit of a, uh, you know, a pony dog and pony show and, you know, trick them out of their money. Yeah, or like, you know, you're trying to get some bad guys of the town, like, you know, make it look like, wouldn't you rather run away than fight the ferocious dragon? This is mm. so good. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we got a couple of options there that a, that a dungeon master could play with and figure out how they want to adapt to their table. Uh, but then we got to consider the opposite. What's going to be the consequence of failure or refusing to help the dragon? You know, is this dragon going to become a bigger problem in the area? That's a that's a good question. I'm not sure. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I always like the ramifications down the line. Sometimes it's like, oh, maybe this was like this. This thing was the thing that started the tipping point, And now he's starting to lean more into the evil sorts of behaviors and characteristics because he wasn't shown kindness or mercy. And so that kind of like because he's a dragon, dragonness, it amplified in him. And so he's like, oh, well, you know, if I can just tell people to kick rocks, well, then yeah, I could do that too. I'm much bigger and more terrifying than, you know, some peasant with a sword. It's like, yeah, I could totally, you know, do whatever I want and get away with whatever I want. That's true. Cause he, he does, he has that gold baseline, but he's got that sort of conflicted chromatic element there. So he's kind of on the balance. He's, he's trying to lean towards the gold, but after all, if, if he's, if he's, you know, given a bad treatment, he might, he might be sort of nudged towards the the sort of resentful behavior. And after all, dragons from Beowulf on out, you know, that's definitely his his heritage is the Beowulf style dragon. Mm. They, they can lose their tempers if they feel like they've been disrespected. Like, oh, you just belittle me and you, you oh really? <laughs> well, maybe maybe some mild or not so mild toasting would would be a repercussion. Yeah. Or the bad actors, the dragon cultists come to town. They're like, hey, look at this great dragon that we can worship and convince is like this great to do harbinger of evil and doom in the area. We'll be your loyal minions. And now you become like a proper like evil dragon building a lair. You've got minions and you're building traps in your lair and all this sort of stuff. Now, now the cultists are storming the salt mine. They're killing people and dragging them out. And now the dragon moves in. Right. And I could see this, the dragon sort of, you know, because he's got minions, he's able to kind of not think about it too much. This is always a problem of, of minions. You know, you, you, you don't realize what you're doing because you're letting somebody else do the dirty work. And, and uh, yeah, that could be a definite problem. 
it's a spiral he's analysis paralysis and he's like oh i'm this far in now i can't like this is the this is the character i am now this is the part that i have to play i have minions now i've got people to feed i've got 401ks and dental plans that i gotta provide <laughs> yeah i mean the, the, yeah the, the macbeth problem you know I've, I've i'm in too far which of course is a fallacy but he can get trapped in it yeah, mm-hmm. so we don't that that's that's the possibility. Like he does he get helped to take the road to fulfill his dragonish nature in a good way that you know, I mean potentially could be very good. I mean, imagine he builds an art collection and other people admire it. Like, you know, he's not necessarily a as possessive a dragon as as he might be cuz he he he's not just he's a little more artistic than that. He he wants to he appreciates the beauty of it. So he, he could even be open to like letting people see his hordes. Only they don't touch it. They mustn't touch it. They mustn't mm. touch it, but perhaps they could, perhaps they could see it, you know? So there's a, there's a path that could, that could cause the positive spiral. If you went that direction. Yeah. He sets up a little booth at the front of his cave. You know, he collects a modest fee, five gold to see all this great art. That's pretty good. And suddenly he's got repeat customers. He maybe he sets up a few food vendors in there, some nice patio seating and, you know, get some bards to come in there and play some ambience music. He got a great hangout spot. Now he's a businessman and exactly. he's running his own art gallery in the salt mine cave place. Yeah, yeah. And this would appeal to his sort of organizational, you know, sort of, thing like and then you know more uh, getting more gold in and then he can go and buy more art to increase the hoard that he really cares about he can commission artists to make art for him whoa that would be his absolute like dream to have like commission have like the salt mine lined with like commissioned you know dragon art Mm -hmm. some some portraits of him in heroic poses of course yeah, he's riding a white stallion for some reason. <laughs> it's like, aren't you a little big for that? It's like, no. It's like, obviously, it's a gargantuan white horse. It's plenty big enough for me. Excellent. All right. And then, of course, I think we got to come back to the name. Now that we know so much about this dragon, what's the name of our dragon? Hmm. Uh, let's see. Well, of course, his real name would be Unpronounceable by Humans. Okay. So he has, he has to come up with a name that would be, you know, people can call him without, you know, having to belch out flames as they, as they do it. So I think given all of, all of this, I think he would take a name that would kind of represent kind of his, um, his, his personal goals. So I think he would say, call me Rembrandt. Rembrandt. That is a very strong name for a dragon. Like the artist, it's like, no, I am Rembrandt. I, you know, all those paintings that supposedly Rembrandt Rembrandt painted, I'm the one who did them. (laughs) All right, excellent. And then uh, did you feel like this is a pretty well fleshed out character? If there were any optional questions you felt like discovering something else or you feel like this is a pretty good starting point for this character? Well, I, I think I think Rembrandt, the artistic collecting dragon, turned out to be pretty fully fleshed out. I'm, I'm amazed. I started with the idea of just the dragon and now we have Rembrandt with his goal of the salt mine art collection. I think, I think he's pretty fleshed out. All right. Excellent. Well, now that we know so much about Rembrandt, I think it's time we place him in a random encounter. This 
random encounter is brought to you by Zencaster. Of course, Zencaster is the platform that I'm using now to be able to acquire recordings for my interviews. It is a great alternative from what I used to use uh, back in the olden days of the podcast. And I'm so grateful to my buddies, Dane and Benjamin over at the Dispel Magic podcast for turning me on to this service. Of course, you've heard me mention and talk about Zencaster a couple of times in some of these ad read breaks, and uh, hopefully by now you know the story and all the good talking points. Um, but you know what? They gave me a script, so I'm going to stick with that. So, you know, it's easy, super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You log in using your browser, you start recording a high quality podcast right away. You can record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. That is certainly what I appreciate about Zencaster is that they put so much consideration into this, so I never have to worry again about if a connection drops or if someone's laggy or there's just you know some gremlins working in the machines uh, against us. I always have that confidence of knowing that I'll be able to get my recordings later. You can definitely sound your best, and if you've worried about what you might sound like uh, if you're ever on a podcast, why Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth, it automatically removes the ums and ahs in your recordings, and it removes those awkward pauses in conversation too. Just set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with the click of a button. It's all in one. If you have thought about starting a podcast you know, who isn't these days in 2023 going into 2024 and you thought you needed a bunch of stuff, you know, it's the holidays coming up and you're like, oh my goodness, do I need to put a $500 microphone on my Christmas Amazon list? I don't know. Well, those days are done. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and you can distribute it to Spotify, Apple, and all the other major destinations. So taking a bunch of headache out of the analysis paralysis of you wanting to start your podcast this holiday season go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code side kq podcast and you'll get 30 percent off your first month of any zencaster paid plan i want you to have the same easy experiences i do for all my podcasting and content needs it's time to share your story thank you so much to the sponsor and back to the podcast so now this is the part where we get to do a short role play vignette with our character that we've made. So you don't have to adopt funny accents or anything like that, but uh, we're going to breathe a life into our character. So the question becomes, what sort of scene are you interested in portraying Rembrandt in? Is it going to just be like, you know, you alluded to the play, the Scottish play earlier. So it's like, oh, are we going to do like this? You know, this Shakespearean sort of like monologue of Rembrandt trying to like, you know, deal with his uh, quandary. Is it going to be Rembrandt coming across one of the podcast adventurer characters and giving the task of like, well, I want to acquire this property. I, I need to figure out some way to preserve art. How am I going to do that? Or is it just maybe even Rembrandt talking to the, the foreman who's operating the mine and trying to like come to some sort of negotiation? It's whatever scene you're interested in. Well, let's put him kind of early on in this arc. Let's have him where he's, he has the dream, but it is as yet not even close to being realized. And let's have him encounter one of your, one of your player characters, one of your adventures. Okay. 
two of them, whatever, whatever ones you want. Sure. Yeah. Well, we've got a list to choose from, so I'll rattle them off real quick. So we have Duncan, who's the recklessly brave adventurer for hire, happy-go-lucky, no task too small, no feat too daring kind of a guy. So classic D&D. We've got Sonia, who's the warrior woman who started as a barbarian and then multi-classed into a paladin who serves a god to redeem the undead. We have Korak, who is the lawful, evil, arcane, trickster, roguish dwarf. So a stabby, stabby dwarf, a sneaky one. We've got Chrisley, who is the herbalist, botanist, wood elf, druid, who then multi-classed into a cleric who serves the god known as Living Memory. We've got Orion, who is the astral elf illusionist wizard. So he's an elf that comes from the stars and is a wizard. And then the last one, most recent one we have is Agape. And she is a lilac-colored tiefling who started as a wild magic, you know, the fae, the fairy realm kind of inner blood sorcerer, uh, who then recently multiclassed and got a pact, an an archfey warlock pact, uh, with this great archfey character named uh, Prosperina. Um, so those are the, all the established ones that we've created, but if none of those sound good, I'm totally open to inventing a brand new one on the spot. Well, let's, let's go with one of, with one or two, maybe two of, of these, but I'm going to let you pick Ooh. which, which two that you want to bring on the scene. Here we have Rembrandt. He's sort of tootling along, you know, slightly sort of daydreaming and who does he meet? He doesn't know yet. Interesting. Wow. This is, this is such a big permission slip that I've been given. I've always, uh, you know, thought in the background that like the, the, the higher meta narrative of the podcast is like, Oh yeah, eventually all these podcast NPC, uh, hero characters eventually meet up and they're trading stories of like all the side quests that they've, you know, interacted with in the, in the random encounter section. So, Oh man, let's see. I think I named like seven characters or eight characters i don't even know how many i have at this point but let me roll a d8 and see what i get so that's a four so duncan sonia Korak, chrisley okay so we've got chrisley chrisley and duncan interesting okay all right we can roll with that so would you like to set the scene or would you like for me to kind of like a dungeon master set the initial scene and then we'll figure out where we go from there you, you be the dungeon master and just remind me who those two were that you you picked Sure. So we're going to be doing a scene with Duncan, who is the recklessly brave adventurer for hire. He's kind of like this human fighter sort of a character who's gone on a whole mishmash of adventures. And then the other character we have is Chrisley, who is this herbalist botanist wood elf druid. She comes from the woad. She was kind of like, oh, you're the chosen warrior who we sent out from the village. You have to go see how nature is out in the rest of the world outside of our woad. And then she's had her own series of adventures and coming across this other character and now has become like this kind of like the giver sort of a situation where now she's been entrusted uh, with keeping the faith of living memory alive. So So where we last left our hero, Duncan, he was given a mission uh, by this young silver dragon who appeared in a major metropolis sort of high fantasy city who's going to university and learning magics. Her name, her pronounceable name being Daisy. And she commissioned Duncan to go out. She met him at the gala and, you know, wined and dined him and impressed him. And Duncan was smitten, of course, uh, seeing this half celestial 
guy's appearance of this silver dragon sent him out on the mission to go try and find the Crescent's Edge, this legendary religious artifact weapon uh, that, you know, because Daisy is in the process of building up her hoard and collection. Uh, She's kind of a trust fund baby, so she actually has gotten a lot of her wealth from her parents, but she's slowly working to build up her own, so Duncan undertook this mission. And in the course of trying to find someone to help him, Duncan came across this really interesting wood elf druid but also cleric character and you know duncan can only spend so much money on health potions that he was like you know what this 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 one this lady she sounds like she's great you know chrisley had been hanging out in the dwarven community uh with uh clover the crystal merchant and all that way back when in episode number 92 and uh and yeah so duncan managed to find chrisley and recruit her to join the party and so now the two of them are you know on the road trying to go and get crescent's edge in the legendary dungeon uh tomb way off where um but where are they going to come across our dragon rembrandt well i think he he he's just been sort of tooling around he's looking for a place to establish his horde and doesn't quite know what the right australians are going to be and so he's just been on the road and so he literally just crosses their path in the most ordinary kind of way hello oh oh my goodness so duncan is like exclamatory of like oh my good a dragon well hold on hold on chrisley and chrisley's kind of like cool and she's like don't don't worry about this dragon dragons are fine and she looks at the dragon and because of living memory you see her eye color shift a bunch as she's searching through this encyclopedic you know, grimoire at her at her side. And she's trying to like identify like what kind of dragon that Rembrandt is, but she's confused and like stunned for a minute. She looks at, at Duncan. She's like, I've, I've never, I don't know. I am perplexed. And then Duncan's like, you're telling me I, it's not every day that you see a dragon cross your paths. Hello. Hello. Good sir. Uh, well, well, my name is Duncan. And, and then he motions to Chris. I'm Chris Lee. I'm of the woad. And, and now cleric of living memory, and we're we're on an adventure currently. But you you well, hmm, hmm. She's flummoxed, and so Duncan's like, I I've got this. You seem to have crossed our paths. You're blocking the road. A tale of a great beast, a Snorlax, if you've ever heard. And you, the only way you can get him to move is if you pay play this flute uh, instrument. And then he wakes up and moves. But this is kind of the opposite. Now you're a big fellow. That's right in the middle of our path on this the, on this road and you seem to have be having a quandary so how is it that we can help you t- today well rembrandt says i'm pleased to meet you thank you for introducing yourselves not everyone has been so courteous some people have just sort of screamed and run away which i think is really not very polite my name is rembrandt how are you oh i'm very well thank you very much and chris lee will say yes honored pleased to meet you as well oh so she's just she's just admiring the sheen and the scale color and you see that she pulls out another journal not her grimoire but she pulls out a journal and with furious speed almost like an irobot she's like doing a sketch and she's like making like a perfect replica with her charcoal pencil and just her paper and she's like detailing like how he looks and how the light shines on the scales and she's like doing all this while the interaction's going on. But she, it's almost like she's doing it subconsciously. She's, she's not even having to like actively concentrate on it. So Duncan's ah. like. 
and Rembrandt sort of angles his head over until he's kind of looking at what she's drawing and he says, oh, you're an artist. And then she kind of like snaps out of it and she sees the head looming over and she goes, oh, 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 yes, I, I, I am a bit of an artist. Yes. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. And so Rembrandt says, oh, at last, at last, I might have found someone who might be able to help me. Because you see, all of the people I meet seem to think that I just want sort of gold and rubbish and stuff like that. I mean, it's all very well. It's all very well. Yes, yes, yes. One, one can use gold, but it's so vulgar to just pile up heaps of it. Just very inartistic. I love beauty. And, 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 and just it's so refreshing to see someone who appreciates art. I want to have art. And yet, as a dragon, I, I, I could not even hold that lovely drawing without ripping it to shreds with my claws. This, friends, is my dilemma. You don't mind if I call you friends, do you? I've, I've only met you, but you seem to be speaking my language of, of the heart. Oh, well, I, I, Duncan, am a friend to all that I meet. And Chrisley is kind of like a little more pragmatic. And she's like, well, certainly I can be friendly, you know, you know, uh, certainly a, a deep level of bond and trust. And, and sure, we can get to that point. And Duncan's like the complete chaotic good opposite is just like, no, you, you, I've met you and we are friends forever. Kind of an attitude. And we can see like, so Rembrandt, as he's sitting there, he, he sort of starts to look a bit more goldish. And not quite so sort of chromatic. Old Sheena. You're kind of like a chameleon. That's amazing. Oh, see, be- beauty. You have an eye for beauty. That the color, you know, the artistry. How how can you help me to to you know fulfill my dream of of having beauty around me? I don't know how to. I don't know how to accomplish this. Yes. See, and so Duncan will roll a history check uh, for the area, but he kind of comes up middle of the road, and he's just like. Well, I mean, we're journeying on the road. We're trying. We're heading to the last known location of this religious artifact weapon that I was charged with finding. And this, my my good friend Chrisley here, and Chrisley's like eh, a business partner doing the, the mission. And he's like, my good friend Chrisley here is helping me on this quest to retrieve the Crescent's Edge from the plague trap ridden dungeon. Now, certainly, I could do it by myself, but. I always enjoy the company. And Chrisley's like, he needs a healer. He, he is much too headstrong and d- d- dives. And we've come across three other situations where he just strove head in and did not take a single second to think. And, and then Duncan's like, ah, pish posh. I've got enough magical gadgets and who's and what's it's to get me through danger. And so he's like, oh, well, maybe, maybe if we go there, we can clear it out. That could be a place that you could go if you're into final resting places of once where religious artifacts were kept or Chrisley's like, well, and and she's like looking around and tasting the air and maybe she speaks to a plant real quick. And so she takes a second to do that. And then she comes back and she's like, actually, well, the plants and then, you know, a gopher comes up and and she speaks and gopher back. And she's like, ah, actually just a little ways over this way, there is an abandoned salt mine i don't know how much of the salt is left the sniffles here tells me that there's still a fair amount of salt in there but you know maybe maybe there's something there do you, duncan do you mind being a nice gentleman i never mind being a nice gentleman we we can go into this dungeon why we can we can raid it we can clear it out of 
the oozes and mimics and well maybe not yeah, mimics yes mimics you always have to you never know when you're going to find a mimic and he like does like a karate chop move to chrisley real quick and she's like ah why did you do that I, it's me chrisley i'm not a mimic and he's like oh sorry i was uh going thinking of a past adventure of mine where i had to fight a whole layer of mimics and it was and he starts going off into this whole thing and chrisley has to like put a hand on his shoulder and like calm calm you're not going into a tangent we're talking to rembrandt here and we're going to do this mission do you understand duncan and he's like all right very well so all right well he would he would normally be the one to take charge but he's like he starts going off in a direction that's completely wrong way and he turns to look and then chrisley like points her hand the other way and then he's like onward and so then he starts charging off into the forest trying to make a beeline for this uh this abandoned salt mine and so then chrisley will bow to rembrandt and will say well shall we go follow him then to this mine and rembrandt will say absolutely i think that you are an excellent leader of this party (laughs) and so then without uh, much further ado Rembrandt and Chrisley will go trudging after uh, Duncan as he's surely gotten into himself into some sort of danger along the way. And Rembrandt will, will now that he's sort of gotten in the same wavelength as Chrisley, he will wait to see what, what mess Duncan has gotten himself into and then will, with a slightly amused sort of dragonish giggle, help to extricate him. Um, having recognized the, the sort of friendliness there, he will use his dragonish skills to to back Duncan up and whatever mess he's getting himself into. All right. Well, that I think that's a scene. I think we did it. And that was a first ever for the podcast. Only, you know, like 120 episodes in. And now we've actually done a random encounter where we've had like two of the podcast characters. Actually, there's a lot of me talking to myself and narrating as well. But uh, Dr. Holly was a great uh, scene partner with me uh, in portraying Rembrandt. So yeah, what did you think of the random encounter and getting to breathe a, a life and a personality into Rembrandt? That was really cool. I really enjoyed that. And you did a great job. I could really like vividly picture um, Chris Lee and Duncan and that conversation. And like you brought it really to life there. And I can just picture Rembrandt sort of crashing out into the undergrowth with them as they as they head off in the distance on their, on their adventure. <laughs> Yeah. And, um, and yeah. And so as we're starting to get into our, uh, our final thoughts section of the show of the podcast, I always like to ask my guest, you know, how they felt their time on the show was, I know, you know, you don't always, you get to do like very cool interviews on YouTube and, you know, very serious podcast spots with like the BBC and like, you know, academic what's a who's it's. And then I'm just some you know, nerd weirdo guy. That's just like, I know you love Tolkien and I know you play D and D and stuff. And why don't you take a chance on this little pet project of mine? Well, Hey, I am also a nerd weirdo. I just happen to be a nerd weirdo who writes books, you know, that the people happen to life for which I'm very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, this is it. And you know what? It's a nice, it's a nice change. Cause my, my serious work is very important. Talked about the beginning, you know, the beginning of the show, but you know, it's very much in the spirit of Tolkien, after all. Like, I think he, he would enjoy this kind of thing. Um, and a little humor, a little lightening up, a little pretending you're a dragon. This is the kind of thing that makes life fun. And, you know, for somebody who writes about storytelling, it's really fun to have been participating in storytelling. That 
was really cool. So it was great fun. And I'm awfully glad you had me on, Kurt. Oh, not a problem. And, you know, just as a fun thing, uh, I was re-listening to our parlays at the platter episode that you got to be on and the just thinking back on the question of like oh what's a cool thing from tolkien's legendarium that uh D didn't rip off in the original version of the game what's the other thing that you would uh stick into the game that would now you know 50 years later kind of have developed as its own thing and you said in your one of your possible answers was like oh if they took Gollum and they made like a smegums like a dark halfling and i was just listening to that again i was like you know actually a dark corrupted halfling sort of a character would be really interesting to play with. And so mm-hmm. I know on my Patreon, one of my, the aristocratic level, I try and every month release some sort of like, Hey, here's some world building thing I've done, or here's some sort of interesting sub ancestry race thing that I homebrewed. And I thought was cool. That's how I came up with like a dragon turtle, dragonborn, or, you know, mice folk or rat folk and stuff like that and now that's got me inspired i may actually have to be like in my world that you've played in now as an npc character i'm like you know there's probably room in that story to be like oh maybe there were halflings you know and all their gods are are nice and good but maybe there was a a group or a subsect of these halflings that uh, were corrupted and then over time they became like this dark halfling or whatever you know whatever term we would adopt the smegums or that is actually pretty fun uh the smegums or the uh, gollics or you know whatever we come up with so um fun aside and you know maybe that'll be something i develop who knows but i'm taking away from the final thoughts segment so certainly i want to give the microphone the stage the platform over to you my guest so if there's any other final concluding thoughts you'd like to share where can people go online to follow you where can we go to find your writings buy your books uh see you talk and do interviews on youtubes and other podcasts and stuff like that what other passions or causes uh do we need to be made aware of oh well let's see lots of questions well, probably the simplest thing would be to say people could just go to my website, which is hollyordway.com. Um, and then that, that also gives um, links to my books. So you can, you know, go there, you can go on Amazon or you can go on Word on Fire and look for Tolkien's Faith in particular. Um, and also on my website, there's a speaking schedule. So you can see where I will be in person. And um, if any listeners see that you know that i'm not coming to a place near them and they would like me to they can always get in touch and say won't you come and speak at a place near us and uh and maybe we can make it happen because it's fun to do that i really enjoy doing lectures so yeah all right well that's that's my final thought and i just want to say thanks kurt for letting me be part of your massively creative world i really admire your world building that you've done uh, having had a chance to to play in it a little bit as an npc i thought this is super cool and now to have a, a taste of your you know on the spot dungeon mastering and seeing the way that you deftly conjured up you know a vividly realized scene after helping me create this character i only came into this with like i want to be a dragon (laughs) (laughs) you kind of helped me tease out so got some major dungeon mastering skills there so i i'm in admiration (laughs) 
Thank you. That warms my heart very much so. And, uh, you know, with our parlay at the platter that we did with this episode today, I can only hope that I've done my small part into starting that now good and worthy discussion of, uh, of D&D, of Tolkien, of Catholicism, how it all intersects and all that sort of stuff. So maybe hopefully we can see more writings and more talks and speeches on that. I want to see the scholarship of like, you know, Tolkien fantasy dungeons and dragons and then you know all the catholic nerds in the audience being like you know what really people want to talk about okay let's do this because i know they're out there and they would love to see more serious scholarship and discussion on it so hopefully you know maybe i'm the the grain of sand that's going to begin the avalanche on that who knows exactly exactly so thank you again dr holly for your time uh this evening to be on the podcast i can't wait to have you back on to make even more interesting npcs sounds good Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and SideQuests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Overcast, or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. If you don't like using podcast apps and services, I'm proud to announce that I'm in the process of uploading the podcast to our very own dedicated YouTube channel, which you can find by searching for Sidekicks and SideQuests. All future episodes should automatically publish to our YouTube channel. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up-to-date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and the corresponding threads, Twitter, now rebranded X, and Reddit by searching for Podcast. You can now also find a very tiny community on Discord as well. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you'd like to hail the bard, simply send me an email at sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes. Five stars if you please to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. As mentioned in the NPC creation section of the show, I do in fact have a Patreon for the podcast. If you love this podcast and you want to help support us and take our show to the next level, I would appreciate it if you would go to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Modest, comfortable, wealthy, and aristocratic accommodations await, and we welcome all patrons to the Levitating Platter. Seriously, your financial support allows for this passion project to continue to invest in itself through the tools that will take our production to the next level, as well as provide more content for our patrons and the community at large. Please consider supporting me on Patreon if you can. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast. Copyright Wizards of the Coast LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! Sai